0: WRGN Rewind.
1: Say hey, it's a good day.
0: Glad to be back with you here on Wake Up Right, along with Heather Holloman. She is the author of the book we've been talking about. It's called The Six Conversations: Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. I love the subtitle of this book, Heather. Welcome.
1: Well, I'm so glad to be on your program. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to this conversation.
0: Well, we are uh, connecting here over the air, but uh, connected just a little bit before we came on the air because Heather is not just an author, but she is a professor at Penn State University where two of my nieces have gone and where my family, a part of my family lives. And so we've been able to connect a little bit this way, but I want you to kind of introduce yourself to our listeners, Heather.
1: I teach advanced writing at Penn State and I have a deep passion for helping student belonging because as you know, we're in an epidemic of loneliness, Mm. especially on the college campus. And alongside my husband, we're passionate about helping churches and ministries develop a real wonderful culture of evangelism. So I just love talking about Jesus, and I love talking about belonging are the two great things in my life.
0: Well, we're going to talk about how those two come together in this book, The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting. In an Age of Isolation and Incivility. Now, you mentioned the epidemic of loneliness that we have, uh, not only right here in our conversation, but you mentioned it in the book as well, which seems antithetical when you look at the fact that you are at Penn State University, main campus, 40,000 students all about the same age. How can you be lonely with 40,000 people around?
1: Well, just last week, a student said to me, Dr. H, you just don't know how lonely it is to be a college student. And as you look at students, they connect a lot on social media, but there is a real lack of warm and loving connections in their conversation. And I show them the Harvard grant study, the longest research study ever conducted. It's still going on. And it tried to answer the question, what is the single most determining factor of a happy life? Mm. And the answer is, warm connections. And my students would say, you know, how do we get those? And so it's not just college students. We look at in our own state of Pennsylvania, diseases of despair. So suicide Mm -hmm. and drug addiction, they're linking them all to a lack of social connection. So you can have people around you, but nobody's engaging each other well in the warm and loving conversations that lead to that sense of connection.
0: And this is particularly bad in Gen Z. In fact, you say in the book that uh, Gen Z, adults ages 18 to 22, are the loneliest generation and claim to be in worse health than older generations. Well,
1: that's right. And that's astonishing research. I showed my students the impact of loneliness on your body. Mm. So they're looking at immune systems that are weakened because of loneliness and the chronic effects of of kind of like high cortisol levels that are present when you're lonely. They're even looking at high cholesterol, high Mm. blood pressure. It is so good for your health to have warm and loving connections. And I just get so excited about that
0: research. So it goes beyond just the mental health to the physical health, which is why it's so important to learn to have conversation because you – hypothesize in the book that a warm conversation is the key to a deeper relationship so we're going to come back right. and i want to talk about what the six conversations are we've got heather Holloman with us here on wake up right We're back with Heather Holloman, she, the author of The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility, forward by Dr. Gary Chapman, by the way, uh, the author of The Five Love Languages. Now, you talk about six conversations, and you also mentioned the four mindsets of a loving conversation. What are the six conversations that we're talking about here?
1: Well, the six conversations are six pathways that you can think about in order to connect well with another person. And mm-hmm. those six categories are so easy. They're social, physical, emotional, cognitive, volitional, and spiritual. And each of those categories represents a dimension of what it means to be human. But what I found in my research is you can give people all the right questions to ask, but if you don't have the right mindset going into a conversation, You will not have the warm connection you desire.
0: Mm, So what is the mindset that we should go into a conversation with?
1: Well, every time you're with someone, four things need to be happening, four mindsets. And if one of them is missing, you won't have a warm connection. And the four mindsets are you need to be curious, believe the best, express concern, and share your life. And most people are really deficient in one of those categories. For example, being curious. Mm. Many of my students say, I was on a date, the guy didn't ask me one question, or I was with my family for the holiday and nobody asked me one question. We're really deficient in the area of interpersonal curiosity, Mm. asking good questions of other people. The second most efficient category is believing the best. That's why I subtitled this book, The Culture of Isolation and Incivility. What we're finding in the culture is when people meet one another, instead of believing the best, they're more likely to think, with suspicion and judgment, mm. who did this person vote for? What did they believe about vaccines? What was their stance on Roe v. Wade? We're we're basically vetting people and not believing the best about them. So we're trying to see,
0: yeah, trying to see how they yeah. align with us rather exactly. than just finding out about them. That's right. Well, how do we look? I'm I'm an introvert, and I know that might seem odd to some people. I'm on the radio and things like that, but I am a naturally curious person. And so for me, that that part comes easy. I am also a fatal optimist, and so uh, I always believe the best about someone. But I also, as you mentioned there, uh, wind up finding myself being somewhat critical or listening to see where people fall in line with where I'm at. So how do we overcome those things? And and I, I think probably the hint will be the, I've stopped you before you got to finish all four, will be the next two, won't it?
1: Well, expressing concern about other people and then learning to share your life, especially if you're more shy or introverted, that's who my husband is. Mm. And he found that exercising the four mindsets and really every time you see someone thinking to yourself about how to change the disposition of your heart to, to express concern about what someone else is going through, to be willing to share your life. And what's so exciting about this for me wasn't actually the social science research, It was when I turned to the Bible and I learned from Philippians 2 and Romans 12 that all four of those mindsets have already been talked to us by the Apostle Paul, teaching very diverse groups of people how to get along with one another. And so in Philippians 2, you really need to value other people above yourselves, Mm. take on their interests, and then if you think of Romans 12, outdo one another in showing honor and to bless those who persecute you. They're very convicting Bible verses and they align perfectly with what the social science research says you need in order to have a warm and loving connection.
0: Wow. And then the fourth thing that you mentioned there is the idea of sharing your life. So what does that mean?
1: Well, sometimes people don't share their life because they don't want to be vulnerable. Maybe they're afraid of rejection or um, being ashamed But it's called taking a pro-social risk, Mm. meaning you're going to take the risk to honor someone by sharing your own story with them. And that means being self-aware enough to know what's going on with you. So when I do workshops with conversation training, I'll often ask people to write down, what's your major stressor? What's your next big upcoming decision? And also, what thoughts is keeping you up at night? Because Mm. we need each other. And when someone's talking to you and it's your turn to share about how you're doing, you can actually let someone else carry your burden, like what Galatians 6 teaches us.
0: Now, you have a chapter in the book, and I want to come back and maybe answer this question for our listeners real quick. It's called, What Goes Wrong? in conversations because you may have started off great and then things fell apart and you go okay where did the wheels come off here uh, so we'll come back and we'll talk with heather Holloman, the author of the book the six conversations pathways to connecting in an age of isolation and incivility We're back with Heather Holloman, the author of The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. So glad to have you with us today, Heather, as we talk about your book, Conversations So Important to the Deepening and Developing of relationships i think sometimes husbands and wives especially as the kids come along we we get talking so much about the kids or certain things that then when the kids go we lose the ability to genuinely communicate with each other and we may see that on a more surface level with others when we talk about the idea of what goes wrong in a conversation So what are some of the things that make the wheels fall off of a conversation?
1: Well, you'll find as you read the book that there's little tips woven throughout, but there is a chapter called, you know, the 10 pitfalls, what's going wrong in conversation. And... Usually what I found is it's advice giving, it's arrogance, it's all the things that you already know, gossip, you know, when you're manipulating people, but really it's also about not listening well and being someone who may be monologues or just talks about yourself. So what I love about what I've learned through the research is how to listen for people's core values mm. to really listen. To, it's like a sacred space, Tim, to really be able to listen to what people are saying to you and identify things they care about. So So if you're not listening well, the wheels are going to fall off that conversation.
0: So rather than saying, okay, what's my next thing going to be? I'm genuinely listening to what they're saying so that I can maybe ask a question based on something that they've said.
1: Yes. And reflect back to them. I mean, when I'm trying to form a warm connection with someone, if they share, for example, that they turned in a work project and they didn't think they could do their best or they talk about how they felt like they made a mistake in a project, I'm hearing their core value is excellence. Mm -hmm. And I might say to that person, you know, as you're talking, I can really tell that you value excellence. That new friend will say, oh my goodness, I do. I really do value that. They're going to feel seen, understood, heard. I like to do that with every conversation I have when someone shares about their life. I'm listening. I'll say, "Oh wow, if they talk about how they're upset because their schedule changed and I say, "Oh wow, it really seems like you value your schedule and and having things in order." They'll say, "I really do." And then you can ask a question in any of the categories of what it means to be human, so you're never going to get stuck in a conversation again. You'll always know where to start and how to continue a loving conversation.
0: I guess non-judgmental is a, is a good thing that we need to be aware of when we're in a conversation with someone because it's very easy for us to slip into trying to get them to conform to something that we may think or feel. In fact, as you come towards the end of the book, you talk about discovering your default conversation. What is that?
1: Well, I love how you just said a lot of what we think conversation is, is winning argument. Mm. That could be one of your conversational styles. A lot of people only like to talk about the same thing in the same way. So what I encourage people to do is think about their natural ways that they like to talk. Maybe you like to talk about sports all the time, or you find yourself always talking about the emotional category. It's wonderful to think about what other people enjoy talking about and then you're able to ask questions in categories that matter to them. Mm. So, for example, I love it when people ask me questions in the cognitive category. And if they say, Heather, I haven't seen you in a while, what are you, what have you been thinking about is a deeply loving question to me. But my husband does not like questions like that. He would much prefer me ask in the physical category, which is, what tell doing? me about your work projects. Hey. Like, tell me what you're working on in the yard. Tell me about your new work system you put in place. So, again, it's a profound act of love. To really ask good questions and see what people want to talk about. My daughters and I have become so close as I listen to them and learn what teenagers like to talk about. They don't want you asking spiritual, cognitive, or emotional questions all mm-hmm. the time. They'd much rather you ask about their friends, about any new like hair care products they're using <laughs> in the physical realm. They also like to talk about new things they've put in their room or their dorm room. So, I've just learned a lot about how to listen and ask good questions that bless another person.
0: And the deeper conversations will come even out of what you may consider as an intellectual, those surface conversations about hair care and things like that, because you've heard what they've said about things that they care about right now.
1: That's right, and it's called a closeness-enhancing behavior. So when you're operating out of the four mindsets, when you're asking good questions, I also learned how to end the conversation so you always get that warm connection. So even if you're talking about hair care, you can end in one of three ways, encouraging that person, helping that person with their personal goals or leading them to a state of wonder or marveling. So you can take any, the most mundane topic and, and think, okay, how can I end with an encouraging word? How can I help someone achieve whatever goal they have? Mm-hmm. Or is there a way I can bring this into a state of worship or what the research calls awe or marveling? Mm, I
0: wish we had time to talk about the awe stage because mm-hmm. I actually have a, a flag there on that page when you talk about awe and I it's- love so good but we have come to the end of our conversation and if you want to get the rest of the information including what heather has to say about awe get the book the six conversations pathways to connecting in an age of isolation and incivility thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today heather this is wonderful tim you enjoy the rest of your day you too Wake up right, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 on WRGN, your good news network.
1: Say hey, it's a good day.